Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Gromlich. What's Glad you're here with us this morning. Up, Rick, from a distance. <laughs> from a distance. Yes. Um, yeah, back in the studio in the basement. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, not much. It's uh, halfway into the new year almost. Yeah. It's fresh Saturday morning and expecting some snow. Which is yeah, super I, I came down this morning expecting that there would be like a couple inches on the ground and there was nothing. Yeah, it's going to come later. It was a right. big disappointment. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, buddy. Just patience. It'll come. Do you guys have any up there? So for the listeners, yeah. we're, we're not it's recording okay. together. Rick's at his place. I'm at mine. And we're recording over some Google Hangouts. Hello. Yeah, we're about uh, 25 miles apart. I'm north yeah, of the right. right. And... Um, you will actually get more snow than we will because it's coming, hitting more central southern Ohio than it is central northern Ohio. Good. Wonderful. Yeah, so enjoy it. So that's what's going on with me. Um, it's too bad we couldn't again. have had this snow on Christmas Day, man. Yeah, it was like it was kind of warm Christmas Day. Well, Christmas Day was a big disappointment weather-wise. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry that Christ's coming is a disappointment to you. Nope. I There's said weather-wise. I, I gave that caveat. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's whatever I heard what you said. <laughs> It's an audio clip. People just get take That's that. That's right. Christmas is a big disappointment this year. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, All right, so anywho, hold on. I'm going to do um, something here. I'm going to try and yeah. put you on on the TV. I'm going to try and cast you over on to Apple TV. TV. So if there's a disruption, then we know why. But I just wanted to say it beforehand. Do you have so a TV heads up. in your basement now? Hold on. Hold on. We're doing this. Oh, you do that little screen down. Yeah, yes, video it's working. Games. You're Rob on it. Rob spends hours gaming. Hey, Rob. I do not spend fans. hours. Uh, I don't remember the last time I played there. a video game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah. Um, I feel a little congested today. Yeah, you keep that. in our uh, prep. Rick just kept getting up and going over and uh, blowing his nose. So Got to clear it out, man. Why don't you just bring the tissues so, over to you? Super excited. Um, I need the exercise. <laughs> Need the exercise, those 15 steps to the bathroom, dug on it. Hey, every step counts, man. Um, <clears throat> whew, sorry. All right, anyway, Rob, what are we talking about today, buddy? We oh, are hitting on the topic compatibilism, which I'm excited about because mm-hmm. uh, going through compatibilism, I don't know, it was a little over a year ago when um, Bruce Ware, my professor, kind of laid out how God's sovereignty and mankind's free will can actually be compatible. And that's where the term comes from, compatibilism, <clears throat> while still affirming that our decisions matter and God is completely sovereign over all things. So that's what we're going to be covering today. And we do have a, a definition. What do you say? Lots of fun. Lots of fun stuff. Is that sarcastic? Are you not, well, are you not you excited, say, like, Rick? <clears throat> how, do, how does this, like, we call ourselves, we don't call ourselves, the show is titled Simple Theology. So just tell the listeners that as we dig into this, it might sound just super theological and heady. What was that? Wow, can you hear that? That's Neville. Yeah. Neville upstairs, our dog, is going nuts on a bone. Yeah. You should uh, do something about your dog. Anyway, <clears throat> this stuff does have real-world significance in your daily life. We'll get into that. Yes. Yes, it does. So, let's go with the definition here. In Greg Allison's The Compact Baker Dictionary Dictionary of Theological Terms, here is how compatibilism is defined. <clears throat> let's go ahead and clear my throat. <laughs> that was so loud. Oh, man. 
Okay. The position that divine sovereignty and human responsibility hold together. Compatibilism maintains that the following two affirmations are compatible. One, God is absolutely sovereign, but his sovereignty never functions in such a way that human responsibility is minimized or destroyed. And two, human beings are morally responsible creatures. They obey, trust, disobey, rebel. But this characteristic never functions so as to make God dependent on them. Compatibilism is a framework for understanding the divine plan and human treachery in the crucifixion of Christ, as seen in Acts 2.23, and divine election and a human response to the gospel in salvation, as seen in 2 Thessalonians 2.13. So kind of a longer definition, but one of the things that he says in there is that um, it never functions so as to make God dependent on them. And so we want to make a caveat, a little clarification here, that this doctrine of compatibilism is not to be confused with another doctrine called Molinism. And what that is, is... We get that from Al Moeller. Yeah. No, we do not, thankfully. Al Moeller. It didn't start it. It's called Molinism. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. Thanks, Al. We wanted to call it Molarism. Molarism. He, he thought it sounded better as Molinism. Yeah, exactly. No, that's not the case. So the the person who <laughs> who proposes Molinism probably uh, the most in our day is a guy by the name of William Lane Craig, and um, he's an he's apolog- a brilliant dude. Yeah, apologist, brilliant dude. Um, a lot of the things that he says are are helpful stuff. But in terms of of this, his explanation of human free will and God's sovereignty, it is not, in fact, helpful. And the way that he uh, describes it is by saying that before God created, he looked ahead and saw every conceivable possible outcome to his creation. And he then chose the one, based off of all their free decisions, he chose the one that would lead to the most good. And so he says that's how God's divine sovereignty and mankind's free will coexist in that God saw beforehand every possible thing, chose the one that was going to be the best option, and then brought that world and that universe into existence. Some people are very comfortable with that. The only, the primary, I shouldn't say the only, but the primary problem with Molinism is that it makes God dependent on mankind. Like react. Yeah, it's reactionary. So he sees all of the possible outcomes, and then he chooses based off of the possible outcomes, rather than him being sovereign over his creation. And so if if God is reactionary, or if God is dependent on something else to then make his decision, then he's not God. He's not a, a powerful, a strong, a sovereign God. He is, in fact, subordinate to whatever he has to make his decisions based off of. And so he makes, in, in what we see in Scripture we're going to jump into, is that he is sovereign and he makes his decisions rather than him being dependent on us to make his decisions. Preach it. Could you hear Finley up there screaming? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, this is this I mean, is so good. Listeners, you're welcome. Just a little behind the scenes. Welcome to our live. You get to hear the dog yeah, they heard going that. crazy I'm, on a bone I'm, on hardwood floor. It's not hardwood floor. That makes us. That makes it sound better than what it is. It's like laminate that looks like hardwood. And then you hear <laughs> my daughter in the morning making a bunch of noise. So you're welcome. But Rick. Well, they're used to the uh, 
after that last episode of 2018, I think it anything's an uphill. Anything's better than that. So, with the pipes, with no, no, with, with our wives and our kids, it was just like a disaster. Oh yeah, right. Oh my goodness, and crying and suddenly drops a phone on her face. Yeah, <laughs> I already forgot about that. Yeah, so a couple passages we want to look at. Well, are in Genesis. Yeah, Rob. I'll take the first one. It's Genesis 37, and essentially what this is, it's, it's Joseph, um, it's us being introduced to Joseph and his brothers, and uh, it talks about how um, he receives these dreams, right? And the person giving him these dreams is God. And so he receives a dream of uh, some sheaves bowing down, to, bowing down to him, and then some stars and planets kind of bowing down to him as well, and, and he tells each of these dreams, these two separate dreams, to his brothers— and his brothers get frustrated with him. Like, why? We already know that, that dad likes you the most, but why are you now rubbing it in our face that we're now supposedly going to worship you? <laughs> and what, what we see is that Joseph didn't fabricate these dreams. He didn't come up with these dreams on his own. He was given them by God, but he freely took them and shared them with his brothers, and it caused his brothers, who already hated them, to hate him more. So God, yeah. God sovereignly, he knew that Joseph was going to share these dreams with his brothers who already hated him. And so he gives them these dreams, which are prophetic. I mean, it's going to happen. But he gives them these dreams saying, I know how you're going to respond with these. And you're going to tell your brothers and they're going to hate you even more. And then it's going to lead into what I'm doing. It's going to help, help bring into play what I have planned. And we see the next passage here, Rick, in Genesis 45 yeah. of how all this worked out. Mm-hmm. Is that my key when you said that? That is. It's a, it's a really, it's what we call in the radio business a segue. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, thanks, Rob. Um, so Genesis 45 You're welcome. talks about this, and, and we're going to pick it up. I'm going to read verse four, verses 4 through 8. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph. In just a little context, he is now revealing himself to his brothers in Egypt. His brothers have come for food starving he's now revealing himself i'm your brother joseph the one you sold into egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that god sent me ahead of you for two years now there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping but god sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and rule, ruler of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, and your grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have, I will provide for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household, and all who belong to you, will become destitute. So we see there in verse 5, when Joseph acknowledges, hey, you guys sold me into slavery. But then in verse 8, he clearly acknowledges um, that it was God who ordained this and God who sent him ahead for a purpose. And that was to, re- to redeem, or not to redeem, but to keep a remnant for Israel. Um, so then fast forward, Joseph's dad passes away, his father passes away, and his brothers are 
perplexed and they're worried about what's going to happen. And this is Genesis 50, verse 15 through 20. When Joseph's, Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, If Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brothers a transgression in their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. I am in this place. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. And again, reiterates um, in verse 15, Joseph's brothers acknowledged that they were guilty and that they deserved whatever punishment they were, should get. Yeah, they um, even said that, I mean, they're, they're making it up, but they're saying that, like, hey, look, Dad said, uh, don't, don't repay us for all the suffering we caused you. Correct, like, yeah. We caused this suffering to you. And then in verse 20, Joseph states that God was intentional about uh, his, the use of his brothers, even to do evil things, like their wickedness, God used it for the good of not just Joseph and his family, but for, for many people. So there's just a picture there where we see God working in the midst of um, situations, and it seems like, yeah, these brothers, it was their own, it was their own desire. Their heart's desire was to cause suffering for their brother, and so they did that. But God orchestrated it in a way and used that to fulfill His purpose, and He did that through His sovereignty. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so another passage that we want to look at is Isaiah 10, verses 5 through 15. And Rick, while you were reading, I should have been going that way, but I totally wasn't. So I got to flip over here. Okay. And this is that. You okay there, buddy? Sorry about that. Hang in there. <sighs> I know podcasting is, is really hard and strenuous work. It just, it just wears me out, you know? <laughs> it just really wears me out talking. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a hard thing. Reading. Okay, so. so uh, Isaiah 10, 5 through 15. We're not going to read the whole thing because Rick just read a ton. But what we see is in verses 5 through 11 that God is talking about all that Assyria has done and all that they're saying. And he's about to use them to bring judgment to Jerusalem and its idols. And, and he's using them as his instrument. But Assyria is taking all the credit. They're saying that we've done all these things. We've taken over all of these other cities and we'll do the same thing to Jerusalem. And, and God is saying... And then in verses 12 through 15, he responds, and I will read that portion. So he says, But when the Lord finishes all his work against Mount Zion in Jerusalem, because he's using Assyria to bring judgment against Jerusalem, he said, He will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for his arrogant acts and the proud look in his eyes. For he said, I have done this by my own strength and wisdom, for I am clever. I abolished the borders of nations and plundered their treasures. Like a mighty warrior, I subjugated the inhabitants. My hand has reached out as if into a nest to seize the wealth of the nations like one gathering abandoned eggs. I gathered the whole earth. No wing fluttered, no beak opened or chirped. Does an axe, does an axe exalt itself above the one who chops with it? Does a saw magnify itself above the one who saws with it? 
It would be like a rod waving the one who lifts it. It would be like a staff lifting the one who isn't wood. And so God is rebuking Assyria. And he's also saying that when I'm done using you to, to bring judgment, I'm going to then bring judgment on you because you have been wicked, you have been arrogant, you have done evil things. And and he says, like, you are the axe in this situation. You're yeah. an instrument. Do you consider yourself yeah. more mighty than the one who uses you? Yeah. And so God saying, hey, look, I've ordained all of this to bring judgment on my people, and I'm using you, Assyria, as the means by which I'm going to do that. But you're still responsible for your actions. Right. The wicked right. things that you have done to other nations and what you're going to do to my people, like, I'm going to hold you accountable to, for. Yeah. So we see, again, God's sovereignty and mankind's free will being compatible. Yeah, and, and the Lord brings judgment on Assyria, I think, at the end of that passage. And then, you know, that's like that's the thing about um, final judgment. I mean, we will all stand before judgment and be judged, and righteously, um, God will execute justice. Yeah. Um, we see this, again, a picture of how God uses works through um, situations and, and ordains things in Acts 2, 23. This is almost like the epitome of it, right? Yeah, this is referring to the crucifixion of Christ. It says, though he, he being Jesus, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, he used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. So those who killed Jesus are responsible for that his blood is on their hands literally um, but God used that to carry out his plan of bringing about um, the the atonement for his people yeah so I mean are the people are the people who nailed Jesus to the cross are they responsible yeah yeah are you responsible yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah you know, I mean right but ultimately like it was God's purpose yeah so I think that's where and we're going to get into this where it doesn't get us off the hook either. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Yeah, no, but absolutely. God can use mankind's free will to accomplish the greatest and the most terrible thing in the world, being in the one act of his son being crucified, his innocent son being crucified and nailed to a cross for the sin of those who don't deserve salvation. And he, he takes their free decisions to do that and uses it to bring about the greatest possible thing, the greatest possible good in a Savior and a Messiah being provided. But the last one that we have is Joshua eleven twenty, which again, Rick, I didn't have it. All right, buddy. See, we'll you were smart and you you like put it in the notes, and I just had my Bible in front of me. Figured, oh, I'll, I'll be turning there while he's reading. Nope. But okay. I'm here just, we are. I'm so captivating when I when I talk. You just can't help it. I can't, man. I just get glued in. Okay. Joshua 11.20, for it was the Lord's intention to harden their hearts so that they would engage Israel in battle, be completely destroyed without mercy, and be annihilated just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the Lord here hardens the hearts of Israel's enemies so that they would freely choose to engage Israel in battle, dot, 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 and be destroyed. <laughs> and so we see God... God orchestrating like changing their desires but they freely choose to engage Israel in battle 
so that God's purpose would be accomplished. Dude, I think it's hard. Like people hear that, like, wait, what? So God's doing this and this. He's like, he's like this puppet master on both sides of the chess game. You know, um, I think that's what the negative way people view it. Like God's, hey, if God's doing this, then, you know, we just be angry at God and it is what it is. I'm justified in my anger or my rebellion against that kind of God. What people don't understand is that God is doing all these things, one, primarily for his glory. And that's okay because God is good. He's perfect. It's not like he's vain. It's, I mean, he is good. Um, and two, it's also for for our good. Yeah. Uh, one, it's for the good of followers of Christ because he's redeeming us and he's doing this great work in us. right? But I would also say it's even for the unbeliever, it's good because they're benefiting from the righteousness of the believers around them. You, you know, it's kind yeah. of an odd thought, but having... Um, righteous people around you, the, the church around you, you see this in some cultures, it, it elevates the society's good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So God's doing it, and we need to not be bucking against it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, what compatibilism is getting at is that although God's... I, I think we're compatible. Whoa. Are, you, we, are we compatible? You complete me. Right. Oh. Dang. Is that what you're saying? Not what I meant. Nope. Oh. Not at all. <laughs> wow, that's awkward. Well, forget uh, what I said there. Uh, anyway, uh, let the record show. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but what it, what it's getting at is that God's sovereignty, being sovereign over all things, as Spurgeon says, even the dust mites in the air, right, mm-hmm. is absolutely true. And yeah. us having the the freedom to make decisions that we're responsible for is also absolutely true. It's just the the way that we connect those is the way that Jonathan Edwards described it is that we are we are free to do what we most desire that's true and that sounds like like we know that to be true <laughs> yeah and so Danielle and I right this is, this is a great example now that I'm thinking about it because it applies just to the last 24 hours so Danielle and I at, at the beginning of the year kind of started this nutrition plan where we're trying to be where we're trying to eat more healthy okay we're trying to just cut back on some of the the bad foods that we've been eating for the sake of being more healthy and we're doing okay with it right yeah but it's terrible like i i hate i hate having to keep track of what i'm eating and not being able to eat certain things but last night yesterday was my mom's birthday and we just said you know what like we want to be healthy that's why we've been doing this thing for the last seven ten days but we really want pizza yeah. We really want some pizza. It's my mom's birthday. She says something about pizza. Like we're we're we are gonna indulge in some pizza. Yeah. And so in that moment, we desired to be healthy, but we mm-hmm. more so desired pizza. Yeah. And now today, I'm probably yeah. not gonna have any pizza because I desire more so to be healthy than to have pizza. Did you have pizza yesterday? I did. I had a lot of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I really so, so here's here's something I mean this is side side note um, your desire it's not a side note your desires will always shift it's like your emotions yeah they're they, up and down they can shift every second and, and that's so, why we need God's sovereignty <laughs> yeah so like one of the one of the examples that Bruce Ware gave was if you're standing in line and you're at, at an ice cream shop and you want to get some ice cream right clearly that person doesn't care about being healthy but let's say you're in line and you want you want to get some ice cream right 
ice cream is and your all favorite, about it. Your favorite flavor is mint chocolate chip. Okay? Yeah. You're in line, and the person in front of you says, hey, I'd like to get some mint chocolate chip ice cream. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, like that's my favorite flavor. That's probably what I'll get too. And the person behind the counter says, oh, are you sure? Because uh, our mint chocolate chip ice cream was kind of, we, we got a bad batch in. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Like we don't know which is which, but if you want to take the risk, you can go for it there, buddy. The person's probably going to say, eh, I think I'll go with something else, right? Chocolate, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, so based off of the information given to us, our desires can change moment by moment. And so right. whereas a moment ago my desire was for mint chocolate chip, God sovereignly allowed that shipment of ice cream to come in, mixed batch, some of it's good, some of it's bad, not sure. And the guy tells it, and and then my desire shifts a little bit. Eh, maybe I want some moose tracks. Or maybe I want some Buckeye Classic, which, by the way, Buckeye Classic is better than all of those. So your desires can shift from moment to moment. Absolutely, yeah. Is Candace it's in the basement there, Rick? I see you winking off to the side. Yeah. Uh, I think that's interesting how our, our desires shift. And so what, one, that's why you need kind of uh, guardrails in your life, no matter what you're doing. But even like you think about like desiring to be healthy or, or, or eat well, like that's a spectrum. Like if you wanted to eat well, if you define that as eating the healthiest you can, that's going to like, that's everything. You know what I mean? Like it's going to take you hours and you're going to eat so meticulously that, that that then drives your life. I'm totally off topic, but I'm just going down. As I say, I'm not sure where you're going with this, but I'm going to so, follow along. The point is, there there has to be like this understanding of, of what you're going after. So, <clears throat> in your in your emotions, your desire they they change, they fluctuate. The danger is if you lock yourself in saying I'm going to be a hundred percent healthy or a hundred percent fit or a hundred percent, I'm going to you know, about my prayer life or hundred percent about, and when you say I'm going to fully commit to something in that moment, you're desiring that, but that will change. Hmm. Tomorrow you're going to wake up tired because you stayed up late and your, your desire to be work out or your desire to get in the world is, is not going to be a hundred percent anymore. Yeah. It might be trumped by your desire to get some more sleep. Exactly. So you have to have these, these kind of guardrails that keep you focused in on in the reality is that maybe this is a poor connection, but that's the, in my mind, like in the grand scheme of things, that's the sovereignty of God. He's letting men do their things and he's, you know, but yet it's not like he's just a giant guardrail and says, Hey, keep it in the center lane. But it's, it's more like he's working in the midst of that to make sure that his plan, his um, decreed, desired will does come to completion. Yeah. I mean, we read in revelation, right? We know how it's going to end. How? Yeah. Have you read Revelation? There's so much confusion about that. Okay. But I mean, big picture, we know that Jesus is going to be on the throne and all things are going to be made new. Sure that, yes. So we know how that's going to end. There's, so, if it, there's, so why eat healthy then? <laughs> yeah. So the, there's no way that God could guarantee the end, the big picture end, unless he was in right. the details to right. ensure that the end came, came to fruition. he's in the end. I mean, he's out time, outside of time. He's yeah, already there. Exactly. Hang tight. So, I have to plug my computer in. It's about to die. Oh. Yeah, well, hey, if you enjoy listening to theology, so, so Rob can't hear me right now. He can say whatever I want. doesn't matter. Um, All right. Rick, I hope you okay. filled that dead air with something good. Oh, I told – can you hear me? Yeah. What did you I say? I just told some really good stories about you. Oh, that's good. 
Hopefully they were juicy. There's one story. Actually, it wasn't a story. I was just saying that you can't hear anything. Yeah, I can't. Um, I took my headphones off. But if off. I were to tell a story about Rob, um, I don't even know what story I'd tell. Good, because it's off topic. Dang it. I want to find, like, I know okay. I had to have a good story, embarrassing story about you. Yeah, you have I? plenty of embarrassing stuff about me that we can just keep off the air. And you just, tell, just, just, I can't think of one right now. That's great. Anyway. No, tell me of one. Just say, no, just like, I'm not say doing something. it. I'm not I doing it. I promise I won't say anything. I promise I won't say anything. Just what? help me. No. Help me just think about no. one right now. Please. Rick, Please. We can talk off the air. Just say Not it. right now. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, so Rick, why is this hear. important? We talk about the paradigm about of head, heart, and hands. They want to hear about the story. No. It's all that matters right now. Nope. It is a story. Nope. Rob. Not doing it, Rick. What are all the stories? I can't think of any. Okay, the paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> head, heart, and hands. Rick, how does this inf- how does this fuel our confidence? Just give me a story. Stop it. We're not doing this. <laughs> I'm going to think of one. Okay. All right. Head, head, heart, hands. Yeah. So um, what are decisions do matter? We have volition in those things. We will. So they do matter. But also God does remain sovereign. So we can take confidence in we can't screw the whole thing up, um, but we can screw a lot of it up. <laughs> yeah. That's no, we so. can't. So no, we can't. Yeah. You- well, I mean, like we can mess up our lives and we can make bad right. decisions, but we're not going to mess up God's plan. Right. I may have just misunderstood you. Anyway, heart. So our heart, things that we should be convicted about, uh, is that even when we do fail, we haven't ruined God's plans. We just kind of hit on. So like when you do fall in sin, remember, God is still in control. Like we we should be, we should hate sin. We should detest sin. Mm -hmm. And sin's not a game. Like that we should, we shouldn't mess around or play around or toy around with sin. So we should be very active and take it very seriously. However, when we do fall, we should remember First John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. We do not need to dwell in our sins. Satan wants us to dwell and to sulk and to, to hang our head and not be effective for the kingdom. When God says, confess it and know that you're forgiven. Um, <clears throat> but then also, we should be conv- convinced that nothing surprises God. So when we set plans, and I, I love making plans, and so does Danielle, and so we, we try to like project what the next couple years are going to look like, and man, if something out of nowhere comes up, whether that's a health issue, or, or that's a job, or that's... Pregnancy. I, whatever it is, yeah. She's pregnant? No, she's not. I knew it. But nothing surprises God. Like it's not that this God's plans for your life have been completely derailed because you got cancer or because you got fired from your job or because of X Y Z. You fill in the blank, whatever you're right. thinking about. Right. Like God's He's plan. Sitting there thinking, man, what what happened? Yeah, I had this perfect plan for this person, and what the, I did not see this coming. I'm blindsided. Now we got to rework the thing. Go back to the whiteboard. Let's get the markers out and start. You know what I mean? Like that's not the case. Nothing surprises God because he is totally sovereign over all things. Good stuff. Yeah. So our hands, our conduct, um, this ties back to our head about our decisions matter and God remains sovereign. But there's a rest that we then have in God in that, okay, I don't have to, one, I have to earn my salvation. That is the Lord um, saves me. He redeems me. I have faith in that and I accept that. Um, but I have, I can rest in God in that he's doing his thing. He's fulfilling the Philippians 
1-6 Prost to finish what he began in the Romans 8-29-30 to bring me to completion. Um, but there's also a greater dependency on God's sanctifying work in that I do have a role to play. I don't just sit around and just like osmosis become more like Christ. Um, I have to be in the game. Not that I work or earn it, but I just faithfully put myself in a posture and in a way and um, through my living that yeah. increases my sanctification, makes me more like Christ. You know, I can't just expect it to show up one day and man, I'm just super holy now, you know, because God did this thing and, and I did nothing. No, it's, it's dying to yourself. It's becoming more, um, more focused on, like you said, leaving sin and dying to sin and growing in Christ. And that's an active work. Yeah. Um, and then, like, another thing is just pray for new desires and affections that God would do these things that he would, we, we seek him praying, diligently praying, fasting, seeking his face, that he would do this in us. Yeah. Uh, that's our part to do. Yeah. Cause if we're free to do what we most desire, then man, we should be, we should be really <clears throat> intentional about asking God to change our desires because honestly yeah. our desires don't always line up with what, with what God's desires for us are. And so where that's not the case, let's pray to him and let's ask him to, to alter our desires and to alter what we most uh, find our greatest affections in. True that, though. Cool. That. Um, quick resource. <clears throat> I was going to go through some of these. For sake of time, I'm not. But um, if you guys are looking for a good systematic theology, we, we like to recommend Wayne Grudem's because it's solid and it's, it's a simple one. It's a good introductory systematic. Another good one that is um, similarly simple is by John Frame. And if he, he does a good job of talking about what we just talked about and kind of putting it on paper. You can find yeah. that starting on page 823 in his systematic theology. Yeah, he talks yeah. about freedom. He talks about moral freedom, compatibilist freedom, and then libertarianism, and then libertarianism being that you can make either choice uh, without being affected by any outside circumstances. And he gives, what is it, 13, 14, 15 critiques of libertarianism. And so if you're wondering why we affirm the compatibilist view rather than the libertarianism view, um, there are some really helpful critiques by John Frame in his Systematic Theology. Again, that is on page 823. That's when it starts. Appreciate that, John. Thanks, Dr. Johnny Boy. Frame. Johnny Boy. All right. Well, hey, that's a wrap for us. Um, you can always find us on Facebook at Simple Theology. We're on Twitter at Simple Theology underscore. You can check out our website at simpletheology.org. As you know, uh, we do have a Patreon. You can support us there. Go to Patreon and look up Simple Theology, or there's a connect a link in our website for that. We do uh, want to thank those who do faithfully support the podcast. So grateful yes, and humbled you by you guys' support. It's been awesome. Also, we do still have our thing going with Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com slash simpletheology and you sign up for a membership, um, you get a free book. We get a, a small kickback and hope that works out for you. If it doesn't, you can still cancel that membership um, at no cost to you. And, um, that's and you get cool. to keep the book. Also, yeah, yeah, keep the book, which is great. Yep. And uh, we love, again, hearing from you guys getting ratings or reviews on iTunes. Um, love those five-star re reviews. And yes. we are here's the thing. We are 19. We have 19 reviews. Yeah, I'm still waiting for Riley to give or, us one. I got, I got and, the and Riley, text yesterday. On, I know, right? If he got on there and he gave us a review, he would be the 20th. He'd be the 20th. The 20th. And 20th. He, he told question, us that he heard it. He gave us the shout-out. Right. He said, hey, man, I heard it, and I'm still waiting well, for that review. 
Maybe Riley won't be the 20th. Maybe someone else. Maybe someone Maybe else. Maybe someone else will be a, a more dedicated and get there and leave that uh, 20th review. Anyway, hey, we appreciate you guys. Um, again, hope your 2019 is going well. Uh, like we talked about with resolutions, sometimes you just have to start again a thousand times. So, yeah. And I think that was Paul, not Paul, uh, John Maxwell, who said that. Start again a thousand times. Yeah. Anyway. That's it for us. All right. Peace out, y'all. Peace.